The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. For Simeon, it was not enough to be in and to see the gold-plated marble built temple on that 36-acre compound. Oh, the temple was big. It was big in size, big in importance. The temple was where the priests sacrificed. It was where kings ruled. It was where prophets preached. But for Simeon, that was still too small, too containable and measurable of a glory. Simeon wanted to see Jesus. Only his glory would do to give him the peace to close his eyes in death and sleep peacefully. Seeing Jesus, of course, is the biggest theme in the scriptures. And living in the reality of the blessings that he has come to give them, seeing those immeasurable blessings, that is the biggest theme that scripture has. And it's all been summed up so well by some Greeks standing outside of the temple courts when they come to Philip and they say, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And there's an important reason for that. And I can sum that up for you in two words. Lot's wife. Remember the poor woman? She was fleeing her home of Sodom that was being pelted by fire and brimstone under God's judgment. And she looked back, pining for that home, even though God told her not to, and she was promptly turned into a pillar of salt. St. Augustine said that as Christian people, we always live within the boundaries of two cities, the, the city of man and the city of God. We are in one and belong to the other, but really we live in the boundaries of both cities. And the city of man is the city that has bloomed from a, a selfish love and that blooms distrust and hatred of God. The city of God is the place where I Believe in Jesus, and he, not me, is my glory and my king. But the thing is, is that believers, we are still sinners, and will be until the day we expel that last breath. And so there will always be this attention that is drawn to the city of man. There will always be this pining for a place that is about to get pelted by fire and brimstone, and we run the risk, sometimes, even though we are, the salt of the earth, because that is what God says we are, the salt of the earth, we run the risk of ending up a piled pillar out there by, on the side. You know what I say? I say praise God for Zechariah. He is one of the top-notch prophets of the Old Testament, one of the prophets that was called, as all of those Old Testament prophets were called, seers. And today, 
the prophet Zechariah comes, and by the Spirit's enlightenment, he comes to lift up our eyes, to open our eyes to see beyond the things that we see and experience in this life, to see the immeasurable blessings that God has for us in Christ Jesus. So that we fall in love more and more by what we see by faith, so that we live more and more by faith and not by sight. And so that we end up living lives with true joy that are not bound, that are not dependent upon their outward circumstances. So that we live lives of fleeing from that sinful world that is about to perish, to run into the loving open arms of our Father, getting squeezed tight, and then seizing the day for Jesus. My dear people, close your eyes and pray with me. Lord of light and life, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word. Let's open our eyes, open our worship folders, and see the immeasurable, incomparable Jesus. Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for everyone, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. I don't know how else to describe it but to say that the conditions and situation in Zechariah's day were immeasurably deplorable. Faith was little and weak and wispy. Resources to rebuild were scant. And, and when Christ himself, before he even takes on human flesh, sees the situation in Jerusalem and then turns his sight a thousand miles to the east and sees the Jews still languishing in Babylon, some of them not even willing to come out of their captivity. It's all too much even for him. 
We've been saying all along in our sermon series that the angel that has been speaking to Zechariah is the Word made flesh 500 years before he became flesh. This is Christ pre-incarnation. And two weeks ago, we heard Jesus belt out on behalf of his people that anguished cry, Ad matai Adonai, O Lord, how long? How long until you show mercy to Jerusalem? What we have right now before us is some very good news because what the prophet Zechariah lifts our eyes to see in this vision is the father's answer to his own son's languished cry. How long, O Lord? And the message that comes to us from this vision in Zechariah is right now. And this tremendous good news is all contained in a three-foot cord. Let's call it a yardstick. Because the prophet Zechariah lifts up his eyes, and what does he see? What does he see when he lifts up his eyes here? He sees there was a man before him with a measuring line in his hand, a yardstick. And what's the man going to do? Where's he going? He's going to measure Jerusalem. He's going to measure square footage, width times length, right? And so you see the good news in that? This is the prophet's message that the city will be rebuilt because measurement equals new construction. And what God is saying here is that he is coming back and no matter the fierce political opposition that's in place, no matter how weak and faulty his own people's faith is, he will rebuild his city. He will rebuild his temple, and he himself is coming there to live there in all of his glory permanently. That's some pretty good news, right? Amazing. But then there is this vision takes an interesting turn because there is this uh-oh moment. Do you see the uh-oh that is here? And it's amazing because the uh-oh is also found in that three-foot piece of cord, that yardstick. Guys, this point is big. This is the big, this is the enchilada of this portion of God's word. So I need you to really pay attention and follow along with me on this point, okay? Because this is big. This is immeasurable. So the man goes with a yardstick to measure Jerusalem. And we said there was good news in that because there is the promise that the city is going to be rebuilt. And the man himself is demonstrating faith that the promise of God will come true and God will rebuild his city and will, will rebuild his temple. But what is the interesting thing that we see when he takes a three-foot piece of cord, a common measuring tool, and he goes to measure square footage, a very measurable dimension. What does this man have in mind about the temple and the city that is to be rebuilt? That it's going to be the same size as the old one. Same old, same old. This man has in mind that the dimensions of this new Jerusalem and this new city are going to be the same dimensions that were for the old city and the old temple when King David and Solomon built that temple. But the man 
is thinking too small. His expectations are excessively low. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Peter and the disciples in the New Testament. On the one hand, they were men of faith because Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter and the disciples give an answer that is absolutely flawless and gorgeous. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But almost instantly we see that they still have a very small vision of what Christ is and who he is. Because then when Jesus defines that term, what it means to be the Christ, that it is necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to be brutally tortured and killed and rise again, how does Peter respond? Do you remember? What does he say in light of that truth? Over my dead body, never, Lord. And so Peter and the disciples are thinking too small of this Messiah. They think that Jesus is mainly a Messiah and a Savior to give them their best life now. But what the Lord is saying is that he comes now to do something that is immeasurable. The Apostle Paul said it this way, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. We have a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then what you got to tell yourself as you're seeing this guy going to measure the city is, my man, drop the yardstick. God is about to do something immeasurably more than you can possibly fathom. This new city and this new temple are, are not going to be built with conventional walls all around it because of the uncontainable population that God plans to place in it, a population that is going to spill outside of the borders like the sand covers the seashore. And the only wall that will be around this city is the wall of fire, a wall of the glory of the Lord. And that's the only wall that we'll ever need, kind of like a son. All he ever really needs is that father's warm embrace. You know who this young man also reminds me of? You're looking at him. I'm looking at them. We are people of faith. And we believe in Christ and we believe the promises that he has given to us. But sometimes we are pulled and our eyes are closed shut sometimes to the glories around us. Sometimes... I think what happens is that we, we ourselves come down from the heavenly perch that the Holy Spirit has flown us to with the wings of his love and his promises. That perch where we can have life and see life from God's point of view, call it a God's eye view of life. To live in this world and to walk about with nothing more than a worldly point of view. And so there we go with our three yard, our three foot, Measuring stick, our yardstick. Measuring the things in life and, and jotting down the specks of what we see on the blueprint of our lives. So 50 feet wide of mundane and menial and boring. And 100 feet long of stress and worry and heartache and bitterness. 
and 200 feet deep of falls to temptation and falls from expectations. And 200 feet high of setbacks and of dashed and broken dreams. And it can happen that that as we view life this way, we can end up living pessimistic, end up living jaded and joyless. And so this is why at this moment, all I want us to do is drop on our knees, lift our eyes heavenward, and praise God from the depths of our souls for the immeasurable gift that God has given to you and to me. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because here in this prophecy from Zechariah, Christ post-incarnation comes to us and he opens our eyes to see the immeasurable blessings that are ours and that are in store for ours always in him. Blessings that are as vast and as innumerable as the stars in Abraham's sky. Here your Jesus comes to you and he says this, my dear living stones that make up my holy temple, you drop the yardstick. I want you to see real glory. I want you to see what life for you is really like. No matter what you feel, no matter what you see, no matter how bad it gets, I want you to see the truth. And the truth is this, that you are part of a kingdom of all people, all tribes, all nations, all languages that cannot be contained in the city of God, a kingdom where all of its people are spilling over outside like like the sand on the seashore. You are part of that kingdom. And others are part of that kingdom because of you, because of the ministry that I have given to you. Drop the yardstick. Don't live small. Not now, not ever. Live large. Live immeasurably. See the glory that really surrounds you. You are within this wall of fire. And you know what that wall of fire is, says the Lord Jesus? That is the glory of God. And what is God's greatest glory? It is His saving grace. That immeasurable love to come and rescue you. And that glory surrounds you because I, says Jesus, am that glory. Because you know how I put this on display for you. The hour came for this temple not to be built up but torn down. And I allowed that legionnaire's whip with the lead balls at the end to make my back unrecognizable. And I let them place that crown of thorns and embed it into my skull. And I let them disfigure and tear the tent of this body with nails. And as I writhed in agony and in pain under God's righteous judgment for the sin. But that was my joy. That was my glory because you are. I love you that much. And so for that joy, I endured the cross. And that can only mean 
that the fire of my love and my glory surrounds you. It surrounds your flickering marriage and, and your dying dreams. It surrounds those broken visions and those broken dreams that you have and all of those things outside of the wall that want to get you, your soiled past, Satan's fiery darts, everything in life that saddens and sickens you, it can't get to you because the glory of the Lord, my glory surrounds you. You are safe. You are sound. Drop the yardstick because you have no nickel and dime God. You have a God who is large and he's in charge and he is all for you. And you are to live in the immeasurable reality of your identity, of who you are. You are the apple of your father's eye, the very pupil of his eye. And, and what that means is that you are the most sensitive and precious part of your heavenly father. And this is all just a picturesque way, says Jesus, of saying this. That because of me and in me, God is not just my Father, He is your Father too. And your God loves you immeasurably. He was there when you took your first breath, and He knows and He sees when you will take your last. He has seen your every smile, and He has seen your every sneeze. He has seen every laughter that has welled up inside of you, and every tear that has fallen down your cheeks. He has seen every moment of joy and all of those moments of hurt and he is with you at every single step and he loves you immeasurably and he knows you through and through and knowing you through and through, he loves you anyway and he forgives you totally and he loves you unconditionally. That can only mean from one body part to another. Because you are the apple of his eye, he will always take his mighty right hand and shoo away everything that would truly ruin and hurt you. And with the flicker of his pinky, he will flip the tables on all of your enemies. And the plunderers will become the plundered. And the conquerors will become the conquered. And vice versa. And you will reign with me, says the Lord Jesus, and not even death itself will ever conquer you. Because you are the apple of your Father's eye. How immeasurable is that? Drop the yardstick. Live in the immeasurable and great glory and promises of Christ. And there's two big ways to do that. Number one, you who are in Babylon but not of it, flee, escape. Break solidarity with the world that rejects God and flee from its evil. And then this way. Leitare. Rejoice. Always. In all circumstances, and let me step into Paul's sandals, I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice because you are the temple of the Most High God, 
and the Lord Jesus has come to live in you and with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. You are his permanent home. You are his permanent residence. Live joyfully always because you know that the Lord Jesus who lives in you is always doing immeasurably more good for you than you can possibly fathom or imagine. People of God, we have seen it. The glory of the Lord, just as Simeon saw it, by faith, we have seen Jesus, who is immeasurably more than anything we could possibly ask for or imagine. Close your eyes with me once more time. Lord of light and of life. Open and enlighten our eyes to always see the riches of the glorious inheritance that are ours and the immeasurable blessings that you have lavished on us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us daily see the power of your resurrection, your incomparably great power for us who believe. Now to you who can do and will do immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine. To you alone be the glory forever and ever.